into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Fuck, this is already starting off badly. I'm Jake Flores. Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here. Anders Poggers Lee here. Alex Patak is here. Uh, hi. And uh, our guest, who I did not ask him how to pronounce his last name, or if I should say it. <laughs> I'm going to say hello, Ben. Welcome to the show. And then you can elaborate from there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. My name is Ben. Uh, I am an actor. That's, cool. That's what I do. Are we doing last name? Because you've got a cool last name. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, Ben Yella is my name. All right, there we go. Cool. I don't know how to say it because sometimes people are like, don't say my last name so I don't get Googleable on a podcast about um, horrible things for my job. When I apply to work at the executive branch of Jimmy John's, they'll find the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to come after me. Right. I mean, yes, Ben, well, this is, uh, if you're a theater producer or filmmaker or whatever in the Milwaukee area, you can uh, cast Ben after listening to this podcast. I don't know where to find him. Uh, and uh, Ben and I go back a ways. This is We're doing this 10 years after uh, Ben and I wrote and produced a play for the Minnesota Fringe Festival that, about 9-11 that made a lot of people uh, angry. Um, <laughs> and... And, more importantly, uh, 10 years after uh, he was involved and I was kind of, you know, supporting, uh, you know, spiritually, of course, the uh, Jimmy John's union effort in the Twin Cities uh, for the IWW, International Workers of the World, who I think endorsed our play, if I'm not mistaken. They said, go see this play. So that's kind of... Cool. Uh, neat, but uh, do unions do that often? No, yeah, it's it's not often. <laughs> the play recommendations section of unions, right? It's yeah, I think it should happen. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Equity does, but maybe not the other unions. Uh, but at least two of us have worked for Jimmy John's, uh, and uh, from what I hear, it's not all it's it's cracked up to be. They make it look like so much fun. Uh, when you go into Jimmy John's. Yeah, doesn't it look fun. like so much fun when you go yeah. into a Jimmy John's and you see the people under the fluorescent light sort of just slumped over morosely laying tomatoes onto sandwiches and, you know, looking like someone's about to hit them and they're scared? <laughs> well, they're in a hoagie coma and you look at them and you think, that's going to be me soon. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to shoot that black tar hoagie directly into my mouth veins. <laughs> I, I did something actually very annoying when I was a teenager. There's a Jimmy John's in downtown St. Paul. I don't believe it. And they, they have free smells. The, the, one of the signs there is free smells. Oh, and so no. I made a wisecrack about, mm, these are really some really good free smells. <laughs> and one of the guys behind the counter was like, 
yeah, it's going to cost you a nickel for a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so good. That's like, yeah, this this place is uh, <laughs> full of wisecracking um, uh, people, which is true, but they, they have a lot of... employee destroys <laughs> Andersley. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you guys talk about what it is like to work there? I, I'm sure people will be shocked that a uh, service job for around minimum wage is, is maybe not um, the best conditions, but uh, what, what did y'all experience there? Can I go first? Can I just lay I out I said my... y'all, yes. So I, I'm going to the Texan. For... Okay, that is that is the rules. That's how that works in court, actually. Right. So it's, it's d- like progressive decreed. stack. Yeah, <laughs> it's progressive southern stack. Um, well, howdy. I used to work at Jimmy John's. Um... I am excited to talk uh, with you, Ben, about this because I kept I I watched this happen from afar while it happened, and I kept track of it specifically because I hated this job so much, and I was excited that someone did something or tried to do something or whatever we're going to learn about today. But uh, I worked at Jimmy John's as a delivery guy, and um it struck me as like particularly totalitarian and offensive as far as like fast food jobs go because most jobs it's like you know it sucks but it's like mcdonald's and they're just like here's your stupid uniform fuck off you work the fryer we, i leave you know like there's just i don't know there's just openness that you're just like the job sucks everyone kind of knows it but with jimmy john's you could tell that like jimmy john himself was getting off to some degree about how much he was abusing his workers and like kind of <laughs> keeping everyone as these like underlings beneath him because he was one of the owners of like, this is a common thing in restaurant owners where it's just like his personality is sort of imbued in like all of the literature. And there's, I think there was like a, like a fucking thing on the wall of like Jimmy's 10 golden rules or whatever. And right. it was just like, wear your hat. Warren Buffett's. Yeah. Warren Buffett's tendrils. <laughs> yeah. Warren Buffett get involved? Wait, is that real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like I, at least back when I worked there, I didn't probably the, these places don't change much. You know, uh, yeah. there was a, a sign on the wall that said like Warren Buffett's ten rules to become a millionaire or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, God, it's fucking horrible. And so, like, for I mean. It had this red flag, number one, of the job is if it advertises, like, this is good for college kids. Like, that just means I don't want to pay you, and mm-hmm. uh, I th- want you to be an idiot, and all this yeah. stuff. And so, everyone is... Sex in the store. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everyone's just kind of beaten down, and a lot of people buy into the... They think you're supposed to. They think that the job is supposed to be this bad. So I just remember the guy training me. I just looked at the dead look in his eye and was like, "What the fuck's going on here?" Things would happen. Like um, at one point, uh, at the end of my shift, I was supposed to clean a toilet, and like I clean the bathroom, and there's no, but there aren't any tools. There's not like a toilet brush, and there's like a speck of something like stuck in the inside of the toilet bowl, but it's microscopic. So I didn't even look at it. I, the place is pristine. I start to leave, and then this manager comes and grabs me, and is like, hey, uh, you didn't finish cleaning the toilet. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I know. Look, there's like a black dot. And I'm like, yeah, uh, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? You know? And she's like, well, you got to clean it. And I was like, well, there's not a toilet brush. And she's like, I know. 
so you gotta use your hands. Like, uh, and I was like, excuse me? And she's like, no, 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 put on a rubber glove and then, like, get it with your fingernail. And I was just, like, staring at her, like, <laughs> are you out of your fucking mind? And she looked at me and she sighed and she went, the thing is, I can get fired if I don't make you do this. And I was like, wow, that's the whole thing yeah. is structured like that, isn't it? That's pretty fucked up. Um, and so I did it, and it was fucking gross. Um, and I think it was maybe like a seed. Like <laughs> I don't poppy know. Poppy seed? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. One poppy seed. Um, it came out of someone's ass. You know how sometimes they don't get digested the whole way? That's... Yeah, it's fucking gross. I wish I wasn't talking about it on a podcast 10 years later, but <laughs> it's, it's, for, it's stuck in my mind like it was stuck in the toilet bowl. So another thing that happened is, um, so I was so a bicycle delivery guy in Austin, which is hill country, you know, and, uh, this is in the heat in Texas. It's hot as fuck. And I have tattoos and they have rules because I think you do a bike delivery. Yeah. And Jimmy John is a, you okay. know, a good Christian man, as we all know. And so they said, if you have rules, you have to wear a long sleeve, or if you have tattoos, you have to wear a long sleeve shirt so that customers cannot see your tattoos. And then it reflects badly on this company that's paying you $7 an hour to deliver a fucking sandwich up a hill, right? Um, so I got like the most breathable, like under armor type shit I could wear to like do that, but it was still hot as fuck. And it was just gross because you have to wear it like every day you do this or whatever. It's just me. It's insane. It's just, none of it makes any sense right um you also have to wear your jimmy hat which is what it is referred to as in the literature in the restaurant like when you get hired your ha baseball cap that comes with your uniform but it's like he's joking in the fucking employee handbook of, oh forget your jimmy hat it just sucks i'm not allowed to have tattoos you're allowed to call my hat a condom what are the rules here what are the values we're working with i don't make any sense <laughs> but the thing the reason the tattoo thing really pissed me off is because on twitter Somebody, some kid somewhere who just enjoys eating Jimmy John's sandwiches got a Jimmy John's tattoo, a tattoo of the logo, and they fucking retweeted it and shit and did a thing where they were like, if you get a Jimmy John's tattoo, we'll give you, like, unlimited free sandwiches for a year or something. So only tattoos allowed in the universe of Jimmy John's are tattoos of the company logo. <laughs> but if you... Tattoo that's branding. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, but if you just have a Hank Hill on your arm like me, uh-uh-uh. You have to wear a fucking shirt and overheat yourself. And then the other How thing... Is well, somebody's just what Nexium was doing? Great. <laughs> yeah, true. But if somebody's just broke, right? And you just, you, you're out of money, the unemployment's not coming in anymore, you get a Jimmy John's tattoo... You could get a Charmin tattoo, uh, maybe some an Evian tattoo, and like stock up uh, for all your you know life supplies with with the different inks that you get. Yeah, you could like a NASCAR driver or something with your body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a guy in Japan, like a Japanese comedian, a long time ago, who like for a TV show they locked him in an apartment, and for a year he could only survive on like uh, sending out those sweepstakes cards and magazines and stuff and he, he, he did it he never found any pants but like he eventually found food and stuff so Jesus. unfortunately that's possible but anyway the last thing i guess uh off the top of my head thinking about this that was absurd was uh, i remember um and there was a lawsuit about the class action lawsuit about this eventually that i was a part of is uh you had to sign, like, I can't remember exactly the technical term for it, but you had to, when you were hired at Jimmy John's, you had to sign, like, a non-compete clause in your contract or whatever to work at a fucking sandwich shop, which meant mm -hmm. that 
if you were fired or quit or anything, you're not allowed to work at like another like restaurant within certain distance for like two years or something like that, which is insane because, you know, the industry is notoriously precarious and it's not for yeah. people who are looking for a career. There's no upward mobility. If you're working at Jimmy John's anyway, uh, maybe you get to be the toilet lady after like 10 years or something, but that's not a life goal, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I fucking hate that place. So please enlighten me. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> what did I miss? Yeah. Uh, you're 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 hitting all the like the fine points of uh why working at jimmy john's is a terrible thing and why they're an awful company to support honestly um the, i mean the, the the non-compete thing was that was definitely there i had signed the same thing i think it said i think the language was something like uh, if you get if you have to get fired or if you quit, you can't like go to work for like competing. Like you couldn't like get like quit Jimmy John's and then go to Emilio's and start working in there or in Herberts and Gerberts. Yeah. These are some you know, places because they're okay. So yeah, like yeah. other stuff. Other sub places because they were afraid that you would steal the precious Jimmy John secrets and take them to other <laughs> companies and make them succeed. What are the and, secrets? I mean, I mean they're. Like a Willy Wonka situation. I mean, yeah, you know, um, you know, uh, no, you know, when you're when you're putting mayo on a goddamn hoagie, right on the on the sub, like there could be no dry spots. If there's a dry spot, it's not, it's like not okay. And that's a, that's a secret that you know Jimmy John's has. You wow. know, that makes one of the things that makes their sandwiches so delicious is that every single inch of it is coated in thick, eggy liquid. That's, oh. Sounds delicious. There we go. I never thought Eggy of that. Liquid. Great. <laughs> Eggy liquid. sauce makes uh, you add sauce. I wonder if Herbert and Gerbert had a similar <laughs> non-compete thing because this, you know, this is a, another Midwestern uh, specific chain, and they will do bread guts. They gut the bread and put the the gutting on top of the bread, so you open up your sandwich, and there's just like bread from inside the crust that on top of your crust and it looks disgusting it looks like a bird just threw up on your sandwich that's <laughs> fucking gross yeah you know what else is weird about this is like the fundamental misunderstanding of why the fuck i am working at jimmy john's because like i it's not like as though i'm gonna leave and then i'm gonna go over to emilio's and be like Guys, I've got this great idea to make the sandwiches even better. I don't give a fuck about the sandwiches. Just give me my money. I want to make money and leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're going from one seven twenty five dollar an hour job to another. You know, it's like, yeah. who yeah. cares how you place your cucumbers on the fucking bread? <laughs> but how long had you been working there before the, uh, shall we say, the buzz started, the, the rumble in the belly for uh, unionization? began um uh, almost a year maybe i think it was like just under i was working at like two different locations i was one of them was like the busy apparently like the the busiest jimmy john's location in minnesota at the time um just feeding rich yuppies um business folk and the like um, and then I worked at like, a, like a university spot closer to the college. And, um, because of that, like, I got to know a lot of the people who worked there. It was like, there was like kind of this joke in Minneapolis 
because the, the, the cycling culture, the bike culture is super intense there. Um, and like a lot of, you know, people who rode their fixed gear bikes all over town worked at Jimmy John's, myself included. Uh, and there was a culture, uh, outside of that, you know, like, it's like, no, oh, you work at that branch. I work at this branch. This is super cool. And like, you all go to parties together and you all show up still wearing your Jimmy John's shit, like covered in an eggy liquid, you know, yeah. like, with your fucking six packs of tall boy boxer beer, which is just terrible beer. Don't drink it. Uh, and, um, so like, yeah, I got to know people. And then like, there's, there's one guy I worked with who pulled me aside one day. He's like, Hey man, would you like want to go like hang out after work? And like, he's not somebody I was like super close with, but we got along well. I was like, Oh yeah, sure. That sounds, sounds cool. Yeah, let's do it. So like we went down to the river and we smoked some weed. I was like, this guy's pretty cool. Cause when, you know, you work at Jimmy John's, like, I mean, everybody smokes weed there, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Is weed okay to talk about on this podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> there are a few things we won't be uh, doing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this show's dumb uh, as shit. Yeah, and it's horrible. You can talk about anything on it. We get canceled every week for whatever. <laughs> I'm basically drinking liquid heroin right now, so... <laughs> I like to do poppers for fun. <laughs> yeah, we've done poppers on the show also. <laughs> yeah. Have you really? Is this a real thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just around. I forgot I was going to uh, do it before we started recording. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Shit. Fine. Um, I need to get it. I've but... never done poppers on air. I respect <laughs> this job and I will give it my all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Alex, that's uh, that. So the, th- the, the guy started talking to you when, when you were yeah. smoking by the river about yeah. uh, unionizing, possibly. Yes. Yeah, so he's like, "Hey, how do you how do you like working at Jimmy John's?" And I was like, "That's a weird question, just to like pop at someone who you only kind of know." Uh, I was like, "I don't." Oh, no, it's it's fine. I get sandwiches. You know, you're supposed to pay for your sandwiches, but we never pay for the sandwiches. You know, uh-huh. the amount of chips I've taken from that place. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, "No, but how do you feel about like how much you're getting paid?" And, like this and that. And I was like, well, I mean, it's a shit job. You know, it's just, I need, I like, it was literally, I needed, I like needed a job. I was walking by a Jimmy John's. I walked in, I was like, Hey, can I get hired? Like, sure. You did the profile. You have long hair and you are a college dropout. Get on in here, bud. You know? Um, and so we just got to talking about the practices at, at Jimmy John's and, um, that hierarchy that you were kind of talking about that, like after 10 years, you get to be the lady who says, go clean that poppy seed out of the toilet basin <laughs> with your finger. You know, um, like that's, it's just grueling. And I agreed with him and we got to talking. He's like, well, hey, we're, we're, we're organizing, um, it's the, this thing called the Jimmy John's Workers Union. We're, uh, supported by the IWW. Uh, would you be interested in like talking to us more about this or like coming to a meeting? I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I'm all for unionization. That sounds great. We need definitely more representation. Uh, the turnover at these kind of jobs is incredibly high. And, uh, I feel like we could retain people better if we had some sort of representation. Um, plus it's like they're, they make billions of dollars a year, you know, and they're paying people shit, shit money, you know? So, uh, yeah, I ended up like going to a few meetings, talking more with him. I signed a card, started paying dues to IWW. Um, but we weren't public yet. So this is like the summer before it was, what, what, year, what fucking year was this? It was two twenty eleven. Was it 2011? Or, oh, I don't know. Maybe you started before 2011. I, I think uh, it started in 2010. Okay. Gotcha. 
We're just trying to remember when I got hired there. Damn, it's been a long time. Um, no, it was it was 2010 because because we did the play after the whole thing happened. Um, yeah, so uh, it was 2010. Yeah, so it was the summer of 2010, and so I continue hanging out with these these crusty punks. Uh, uh, you know, learning about immunization efforts around the country and like, uh, Starbucks, you know, had like unionized recently at the time out in Seattle, I think, successfully. Um, and, uh, I think Hadn't it was there a- been a Starbucks at the Mall of America that unionized or at least tried to unionize too? Am I remembering that right? I, there might have been, I don't remember okay. specifically, but I do know that the IWW was instrumental in getting this particular franchise of Starbucks unionized. And so we were really gung ho about it. And we honestly like formed this giant like shadow coalition. You know, yeah. it's kind of what you have to do when you're starting a union. You know, you can't go public with it, you know, uh, to management. Otherwise they're going to start coming in and, uh, basically killing your momentum. So it was, it was, uh, the job of, the, of of us is, you know, these union members or these organizers, I should say, uh, to kind of continue to like, you know, get to know people at the restaurant that you're working at, you know, and like we all hung out. Like I said, it was the Jimmy John's cult uh, of people hanging out. Um, and you just get to talk in and be like, hey, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And then you kind of gauge their level of interest in, you know, perhaps, you know, uh, organizing. And then you get them to sign cards and, you know, join the union. And it got pretty big. It got to the point where, like, um, I think it was, like, definitely al- almost two-thirds of the employees in the entire franchise. I think there were, like, ten stores or something like that uh, were a part of this effort. And um, and then eventually we had our final meeting before we went public, you know, like, um, the, like the, the leaders of the, of the union – uh, who, who had, were all, like more involved with IWW than I was at the time. Um, cause that was kind of my gateway in, right? Was the workers union. Um, we had like created logos and like created this whole idea for this campaign and like different things we're going to do, like, uh, just direct action stuff. And, um, and then when we went public, it was, it like completely caught them by surprise. It was a really effective, uh, um, campaign in that way because they had no fucking idea that we were doing what we were doing uh that we were organizing like this and so our first day i think it was on labor day it was yeah labor day 2010 um i was working that day and they had like a bunch of bunch of union members and like other people from iww who weren't even working at the uh who were working at jimmy john's but just were supporters and there's other like you know people who um were behind the cause they showed up in different locations uh, the one I was working at in particular, uh, and like had a little picket outside and I walked up the job that day to go do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it would, and the guy who was my GM at the time was like, kind of like one of those, he's like one of those GMs who's like, I'm cool, man. I listen to 311 and like, we, <laughs> we, we smoke weed in the basement. It's totally chill. You know, like that happened. We definitely smoke weed in the basement all the time. Uh-huh. Um, some great stories about that. Don't hear that. Uh, hear those the area manager showing up on you when you're fucking chiefing. Great, great job. Uh, so yeah. And like, so he was like, he was like person, he took it like really personally. And I'd be like, dude, like, I think you're a nice guy. Like, I don't think against you, but this is, a, we are trying to do this because I mean, good for you. You are getting paid like $15 an hour to run an entire store 
I have to do all this extra paperwork. Good for you, man. Like, but that don't you see a problem with that? Right. But it meant that like, we couldn't, we couldn't hang out anymore, bro. You know, um, <laughs> oh. in the words uh, of uh, Michael Scott, do you really need a union if you have a union of guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely his attitude. He definitely took it personally. He was not happy about it. And then he would like try to like, after we went public, uh, with the union, he would like try to like be like, Hey, do you want to like party, you know, sometime? And I'd be like, I mean, I'll get a beer with you, man. Like, as long as we don't talk about the union. Cause like, I, like I said, like, I liked the guy. He was a nice guy and I enjoyed it. I did enjoy hanging out with him despite his 311 obsession. Uh, and, uh, so we would, ha- we were hanging out once at a bar or something like that. And he like tried to bring up the union. Like, dude, I can't talk to you about this at all. It's actually what you're doing is illegal. You can't, you are a, ma- you are management. You're not allowed to talk to me about, about this subject. It's, it goes against all of our labor, labor laws. Um, and, uh, so, th- so then you started to see as the, uh, people who this, who ran this franchise started to freak out, you know, um, the, the owner of the franchise fucking, I don't even remember his name. Um, he, before, before I even knew about the union or anything, like I was like running late to work and I mean, quite literally mean running. I was like running to the light rail, uh, to get downtown for my job. And, um, the owner of the stores like drove by and his name is Rob. I think he's like, Hey man, can I give you a ride? You're going to work. I'm like, yeah, I'm running late. It'd be great actually. So like this, like the owner of the place, like, you know, t- took me to work and it's like, I got to stop over there anyway. And we like chatted. And I mean, like, he's just, you know, you're, you're one of the mill capitalist in Alexis. Uh-huh. Um, but like, he didn't strike me as someone who like, I don't know. I didn't like hate the guy. I just like hated the company that he ran <laughs> and the, the organization that he worked for. But anyway, um, he like, uh, like one day after, after we started, after we had come public, he was like, uh, he saw me in the store. He's like, Hey man, what, like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like to, to, to me. And I'm like, we're not friends. He's like, I gave you a ride to work that one time. I'm like, oh, God. cool, man. It's really, it's good of you. Uh, but union busting practices, uh, they started bringing in, you know, your typical union buster, uh, these lawyers who would like, we, we have these mandatory meetings that we had to show up for. Um, I don't remember if they were paid or not. I have a feeling like they weren't paid because I remember being angry about it. We had to go to these meetings, um, where, uh, you know, these corporate lawyers who are getting like paid $250,000 a week or whatever, you know, like so much more than all, all the people who worked for the franchise combined probably made that, that week. Um, to come in and be like, don't join a union. It's bad. Do you want, really want to come have somebody in between you and your employer? Don't you want to have the freedom to speak to your employer directly about the, about your needs? Do you really want to pay a absurd amount of money from your paycheck every month towards the union? You know, um, and so I really- remember when this, you telling me about this when it happened, I expected it to be just like, all this to t- them to just be like, oh, you, you haven't thought of all the paperwork you're going to have to do and just like tedious, like really technical stuff. But you were also telling me that they were doing like fear mongering. They were like, Sacco and Vanzetti raped a baby or like shit like that to just <laughs> make you terrified of – because and I think they specifically demonized uh, the IWW, the Wobblies, as being this like historic terrorist group. Is, is yeah. Did that happen? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah you are for sure. Uh, there was a lot of fear mongering. Uh, in terms of like, oh, you think you're, it was almost like you think you're getting paid shit now. Well, wait until this union comes in. They're going to make your wages even lower because they're going to take your money 
they're going to cut your hours. They're going to change everything at this company, all, all the things that you enjoy about the flexibility of this job and make it rigorous. Um, and, uh, yeah, there are other, what, what other things they did to, to scare us away? They're going to oh, make yeah, you just... sing solidarity forever and you're <laughs> in the air. And there's a lot of yeah. lyrics. A lot of people don't realize is until you start singing it, the lyrics, there's very, a lot of them and it's hard to remember right. them. They never end. It, it just it does... keeps going. It's way <laughs> longer than it needs to be. It's, it's called, it's called solidarity forever. That's right. Cause it okay. lasts forever. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep singing the song. You'll never be, uh, divided again. Uh, uh, but yeah, the specific rhetoric about, um, about the wobblies, uh, like, oh, do you guys even know who this, who these people are who are coming in who like want to like organize you? Do you have any idea? Well, check it out. In 1942, they burned down a factory, which like wasn't true, you know. Like in, everyone's in 19... like, "Cool, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, oh, awesome, great." They did that, uh, uh, you know. In, in in this time, they started a riot, and like, because there was, uh, there's, I mean, at the beginning of the, the Wobblies' history, I mean, they were one of the most feared unions of the early 20th century by big business because that they had these direct action politics that really challenged the status quo and f- forced people to, uh, you know, the people in charge, people in power to change their ways. I mean, things and things that we today as society in America enjoy, like, you know, for a uh, 40 hour work weeks, that was largely due to act- actions that come, uh, uh, sorry, not companies, unions like the Wobblies took. Um, they were instrumental in that child labor laws, you know, um, uh, on minimum wage, you know, these things that we take for granted today are because yeah. of these, these, um, these they, types of unions. They created the weekend, the musician, the, right. <laughs> who headlined the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. And what, wh- where would we be today if it weren't for songs like Blinded by the Light? All right. That's true. <laughs> is that what that song is even called? I don't know. That, I mean, uh, you mean the Manfred Mann song from the 70s? <laughs> Wobblies also did that. A lot of people don't know that. Blinded yeah. by the light. Wrapped up Maybe like a douche. They... The douche he's referring to is your boss. It's an right. anti-boss <laughs> song. I don't think anybody can name uh, the weekend song. I have They're no not idea. like known by names. They're like where you are in the grocery store when they come on is how you identify them. Yeah. I truly have no idea what the man's music sounds like. I watched the show and I don't remember it. Um, but I am being facetious. I mean, I'm referring to the old, the, the literal weekend, the old saying, do you like the weekend? Thank right. an anarchist. Yeah. That, 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 that's a, that's a saying. Um, so anyway, dude, go on. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. All I was just going to say was that there was, you know, they were choosing like these, you know, like these small moments in history that like, could, if you spin it, make it look like the Wobblies are this dangerous, like radical leftist organization. And, um, and they are radical in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, being, using direct action to get their policies heard and seen and passed, you know? Um, and over the years, the Wobblies have kind of, have dwindled in size, but they were really big at one point, um, and really instrumental. Um, this all just anyway, strikes I, me as like when dare people come to your school and they're like, don't do drugs. Cause if you do, 
and then they show you all this stuff that's supposed to be scary, but it's actually the coolest thing you've ever seen. Like, don't do drugs, because then you'll be in the Rolling Stones, and you don't want to be like Keith Richards, do you? Look at him, and he's just smiling and having a great time. They're making yeah. women scream. Is that what you want? Yeah. <laughs> Frighten women? But this um, culminated in, uh, ultimately, there was a vote, right? A few yeah. months later? Yeah, it was. So, yeah, we went public on uh, Labor Day, and then we had an election that we scheduled for the end of October or November. I'm missing the details. It's been a while. But, um, yeah, so, like, th- so, so then, you know, like, that two-month period, the six to eight weeks that we had after we went public with the union was really hectic and a very tense time, honestly, to work in the store um, because we were act- then actively organizing in, you know, uh, you know, in the open. And, you know, this, this really rattled, um, the, uh, administration of this company and the franchise. And, uh, a lot of the fear mongering that these union busters were doing was pretty effective for some people, you know, because the only access they had had at that point, you know, because there were some people we couldn't reach, you know, um, for fear of them perhaps going public without a knowledge or, you know, they just like were new employees because it's a high turnover place. People are constantly coming and going uh, for these fast food jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just gotten a job, you know, they may, you know, maybe they're college students, you know, uh, maybe they've been looking for a long time. They've been on a play for some time. They're like just happy to have a paycheck. And then, you know, they're all of a sudden embroiled in this, you know, um, this fervor over, you know, whether you unionize or not. And some of those few tactics work. So I remember talking to a couple of employees, like, um, like trying to organize further to kind of gin up votes for the, for the election. And them being like, I don't want my money to, I need my money. I don't want it to go to this union. And I'm like, well, actually, because we're working with the IWW, which is different than most corporate unions, you know, uh, uh, because it's not a corporate union. Uh, we can kind of set our own bylaws. We have the ability. You don't have to pay dues to this union. Like that's, that was one of the things that we were adamant about that, um, which I was really unique, um, was that, you, you know, we'll have a union, but, uh, it was the, the first off, the dues were like nine bucks a month. It wasn't super expensive. Um, and you could choose whether or not to, to support the union monetarily and, but still reap the benefits, which I think is pretty cool. Anyway. Um, going on election day comes around and, um, this kind of fear mongering is continuing. And, um, then the company starts like offering rides to the, to the, because at a certain point they realized it was unstoppable, right? Like, okay, it's happening. It's been filed to NLR, NLRB. Uh, it's, it's, it is happening. So they're like, okay, yeah, sure. You guys are welcome to vote. Vote for however you want. We'll even give you guys a ride to the to the election poll, to the polls, you know, which is uh, against the law, uh, essentially. And then, yeah, uh, uh, I don't think that the company's allowed to provide transportation for it, but they were doing that. And forget this. It's, there were a couple other things that they did that uh, were not okay. Um, uh I know that there was some like bribery going on with certain people like, Hey, I'll promise you this PIC position. And for those of you who don't know what PIC means, it literally means person in charge. And it's essentially just a low level shift manager. God. Um, <laughs> like a super, yeah, that's, 
I worked at a place in New York where the they the managers they were called managers, but they were technically just like you know in their official position they were not managers. And what they did was they would the tips uh, instead of giving them a higher wage, all of the tips would go to them. So it was just a right. great way to just stoke resentment between everybody who's a floor staff, but you give one person more authority and more money, you don't give them a higher wage, you just have them take money from everybody else, and oh. it's a perfect way of keeping it fucking divided wow. and animosity, wow. and paying as little sure as they can. You're, you're PIC-friendly. Yeah. <laughs> don't be PIC-phobic. This is yeah. like when they put Homer and the two uh, grunts, the two goons, in the basement of the nuclear power plant, and he's got a baseball bat, and he's like, it's my job to guard the bee. They said they don't trust you with the bat. I got to guard the bee. And then the bee bit his bottom, and his bottom was big. Am I the only person that remembers this? Moving on. <laughs> um, I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons as a oh, kid. Really? Should have got that fucking IWW involved in between you and your parents. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need representation for uh, my television watching. Um, but no, uh, so we continued doing this, and... Um, the election comes up, and we had a, a honestly a, a, an incredible amount of momentum for this, and we ended up losing the election by two votes. Um, it was like eighty-five, eighty-seven, uh, or something like that. It was incredibly close, and um, we should have won. We, I mean, I, in my opinion, I think we did win the election in our hearts, you know, uh, because. Um, because they they had been kind of kind of shady and shysty, you know, um, behind the behind closed doors, um, and, and paid out it, people to vote against the union. So, right, and it isn't it possible that I heard some suggestion at the time that they rigged it. Is that is there anything to that? You think the actual vote? I don't. There's no way they could have rigged it because okay. the 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 National Labor Relations Board like audit audited it. You know, it was right. so like right. yeah. I I don't think they rigged it, but they definitely skewed the results through coercion. Okay. Essentially, that's what because eventually that so um like we lose the election. Everybody's super bummed out. Um, it's like this thing we've been working really hard on for you know some people over over a year, and for myself, I had been an active intensely active with it for at least seven or eight months um it was a big letdown you know they uh, we, sent we, 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 uh pinkertons to a sandwich artist's house with machine guns <laughs> to intimidate them um so yeah uh that happened and then uh the people uh, us 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 folks that were trying to continue this effort were like it's not over yet we can we can we can make it we can rally you know we're gonna file you know, we're going to file a complaint with NLRB and try to get the election thrown out. Um, and we do do that. Um, but by this point, like, you know, I, I think that like the culture of Jimmy John's is just like, you know, it's people, people, it's like you said earlier, it's not a career choice for many people, you know? So, I mean, it was kind of like at the, in that moment where it was like, we're going to start a union. I was like, yeah, we're going to start a union. And then we lose the election. They're like, oh, well, that would have been cool. Back to making sandwiches, you know? Yeah. Uh, so the momentum was automatically killed. So even though the company cheated, it's like there's not really much penalty for 
for the company. It's not like they paid a fine or anything. It was just like, you did a bad thing. We'll have to redo it now, you know? And so in a way that was an, an, um, a smart tactic uh, on their end, albeit a shady one, you know, because if they could, you know, at least get the election thrown out, uh, regardless of whether it was won or not, uh, by, you know, uh, breaking labor laws, then uh, they at least would stop the momentum. They understood that in a high turnover fast food place, it's going to be incredibly difficult um, to to get that support back because it's going to take several months for the NLRB to review it. They have other other elections that they're looking at, other things to deal with. So, we're, you know, we get bumped down the line and, okay, five months later, the election gets thrown out. And the small group of us that are still active and like, yeah, we got it thrown out. We got to start organizing again. But, you know, the people who are working there six months after the election are different than the people who were working there at the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because of the turnover. So it's just like, okay, now we have to start all over again. And it would have taken a lot longer. And they, um, they like the top six organizers, uh, got fired, like after the election, like across the board, just they got fired, um, for absolutely bullshit reasons. Um, and what were uh, some of the excuses I came up? You're with? giving away the free smells for free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too many, too many free smells. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw your tattoo. You yeah. know um, that tattoo shit is so fucking ridiculous. By the way, it's just like, who do you think you're hiring? I know. Like, it's like <laughs> the, the entire place looks like 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 basement guy, you know, little stoner guys. It's all three eleven yeah. guys. I don't even know how they did that. It was like more, somehow more than other fast food jobs. It yeah. was all like uh, little dudes that invented Napster in their dorm room or whatever. Yeah. Um. So it's just like it doesn't make any sense. Um. I forgot what I was talking about. I'm sorry. Oh, these guys got they got thrown they got they got fired they got fired. Um. Uh. Bullshit reasons like, you know, you're, you were like 10 minutes late to work one day. You're done, bud. You know, it's like, and it was like specifically these six top organizers in the union, um, who were with the IWW and organizing with them for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they were clearly targeted because of, you know, basically what, what the company thought was like, Hey, if we can like chop off the head of the Hydra, it'll be harder for them to grow. Like all six heads, you know, it'll be harder for them to grow new heads. Right. Um, for, because they couldn't be active in organizing the union if you don't work there. Uh, so, um, it, that, that killed momentum. Um, but, uh, a nice story. They, these guys kept fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And five or six years after they lost their jobs, uh, they won, uh, back pay for all all five of those years uh they were they were able to prove that jimmy johns acted unlawfully um and you know uh, fired them unlawfully and uh they got screwed that franchise got screwed because they had to pay these six guys like thousands of dollars oh man that's amazing wow yeah because it's like it's like it's like what do you think you're gonna do it like these these are like hardcore organizers here they're gonna they're gonna fight you you know and they yeah um and they won and it was it took them a long time but they won you know and it's a success story so that union is um that union drive is particularly uh famed in in union circles you know i've talked to other people who are organizers with other other organizations uh and like 
And I was like, oh yeah, I was I was I, I was part of a, uh, this union uh, drive once with Jimmy John's. Like, oh my god, the Twin Cities union drive. People know about this. Yeah, I heard about event. it in fucking Texas. I didn't even know yeah. Anders back then or any of y'all. <laughs> national news. We I think we were in the New York Times. Like the the effort was in the New York Times. Like it was a national thing. It was you know like these rinky dick rinky dink crust punks from Twin Cities on their fixed gears trying to win labor. Uh, labor laws. Um, I shared the article on Facebook, and I remember this guy who no longer talks to me because he's a libertarian, and I keep making fun of him. He said, um, <laughs> he commented on the story and said, huh, sounds like those guys just found a better job, which is his, like, libertarian spin on it. Like, this is how it works. You just find a better job. He's an idiot. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, important lessons from that, and I'm pretty sure I did a training a few years ago in New York when I was still in food service with somebody who was was an organizer there or was involved in it, Uh, and they were saying that one of the things – well, first of all, what you're describing with the guy asking you to smoke weed at the side of the river is uh, a really important – tactic uh, just to have a one-on-one conversation with each of the people you're trying to to organize at your workplace uh she said don't go to a bar i get coffee uh and i feel like weed is is just as good as as coffee uh, as the case may be but yeah uh, uh you don't want them to think you're asking them out on a date and it's just this very particular like skill is that salting to somebody um, well, I don't know. Was this person salting? salting? Were they? Were they? Did they get the job there specifically to? Uh, were they hired by a union to get a job there, or was was this something else? That particular person might have been a salter. It's a weird uh, word that I just said. Might have been I don't know if that's like a what's what the the noun a saltine. That that's what the yeah. <laughs> saltine. So yeah. no one gets confused uh, and thinks that they're a, an assaulter. They're a saltine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he might have been. I think he might have been doing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but the, yeah, there. Were, I mean, there were several people within the union who they th- that was what they were doing. They were assaulting the. God damn! I said it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, the the business uh, they got a job specifically at Jimmy John's to with the goal of organizing it. Um, but there were only a few of the people in the union who were directly with IWW. The majority of the organizing organizing team were people who had already been thinking about this for years. Yeah, you know, and uh, and. And I think the IWW heard about it and was like, okay, well, let's try to get in here and organize this place because they're already thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And it seems like one of the other things that Jimmy Johns decided to do was, and this was probably a stupid idea on their part, was to promote some of the organizers. At least that's the person who was running the session I did said that they they gave her a promotion. She was like, cool, now I have more power and information and I still want to organize this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that does, I think, point to an interesting question that it's hard to know the answer to is what do we do about, and that's in the situation, what do you do about middle management? What do you do about the managers of the stores? Because, you know, and this is a debate that happens all the time on, on Twitter. Are they working class or are they part of the, the owning class? It's, they're kind of in this weird in between right. space and, uh, there might be a way to, 
to reach some of them. Uh, I'm curious what you think. Should we try to, in, in this position, I guess it depends on the situation, but is it worth trying to reach them and say, hey, look, you're still getting screwed, you're making more than us, but it's not much, uh, or, do you, or do you just have to do an end around uh, them and get as many, yeah. I think it really depends on on who that person is and your relationship with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that as long as you you might be middle management, but if you are are without, like if you're like a shift manager is a good example of this, or you know, um, like a department manager, but you don't hire and fire people. Uh, then technically you can, you can organize with the workers. Now that gets tricky because if you're in that position, you, you don't want to betray your, the position of people organizing to management, right? So you have to like kind of ride that line. Um, and, but yeah, I guess the answer to your question is it depends who the person is, your relationship with them, what their jobs are at that job, at, at right. you know, what their, what their, uh, power is, um, at, the place they work and uh, whether they'd be sympathetic or not, you know, where the, yeah. where the loyalties would lie, you know? So um, in that same way of like taking somebody aside and being like, Hey, let's have a one-on-one conversation. How do you feel about this? You know, like that's, that is the most effective way to like gain support. It's slow and hard because you have to take people individually, but eventually you get enough people who are interested in organizing that they can do that with a lot of different people at once. Right. And then, and then being like, okay, who do we think now that we have enough people here, you know, who, uh, support the idea of unionizing this place? Um, us as an, as, as a group of people, who do we think in that middle management could we trust mm-hmm. essentially? Uh, who would be like, yo, I can't say anything. We can't really have this conversation, but you got my support. Like at the end of the day, like I'm not going to do anything to deter you, you know? Right. Yeah, but it's hard. It's a hard question. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think if a, if a salter gets a saltine, <laughs> excuse me, if a saltine gets Salty. a job as the, if they get promoted to manager, I think that's cool. But yeah, it's probably not going to happen most of the time. So I think what you guys did, which is getting two thirds unity, uh, is really the the important thing. Is you know, regardless of what side manager plurality of managers are on, just having 70% um, of workers on board um, is what you got to do. And it doesn't always work, right? But it right. it seems like, you know, judging by what's what's been happening in the labor movement lately, uh, what we probably should avoid is going in with, you know, 30%. We know these people on board and hopefully the vote will go our way. Yeah. No, you got to start out with... Seventy percent on board. Inevitably, even some of them are going to get chipped away. Right. Uh, but you know, you got to have that going in. Yeah, you want to start with a strong majority there because yeah. you know, like you said, like you might have you know a thirty percent, thirty forty percent, you know, like super passionate and right. be like, well, we can do this because like, and we can we can grow past that fifty percent point. Um, but I mean, if if there are enough people who aren't informed, I think another thing is that like depends on how closely knit your job is too. To go, well, how come I wasn't? How come you didn't talk to me about the union? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it has to be like truly a collective effort. Quite, I use that word intentionally, right? Like, it has to be like everybody's in on this, right? The tricky thing is that once you grow to that level of support before you go public with the union, you run the risk of 
one or two people slipping through the cracks and going to management and saying something, mm. you know, or accidentally saying it when we're all out of the bar, you know, like, yeah. oh, so we're going to drink after work. And like, you know, the, your middle manager is there, right? Your shift lead or whatever, who doesn't know about the union. And you're like, oh, like, oh yeah, we're at the union thing the other day. Or like, oh, what, what what's happened with the union these days? It's like, it just comes out because you're having a couple of drinks. And that person's like, wait, what? What's happening? And it's like, oh, shit. You know, so I think it's like also why the Jimmy John's thing in Minneapolis was so impressive because there's a bunch of like, you know, 20 somethings who like kept their mouths shut essentially mm-hmm. until like in solidarity being like, like make sure everybody knows that like o- over this you know year and a half of organizing time. Cause I, I came in after they've been organizing for already like a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the fact that nobody like said anything to management or let it get out, like really showed like, uh, um, the, the, the power of that kind of solidarity, you know, like, it's like, we're going to do this and fuck them. We, we need to take the power back here, you know, and, um, I just think it, it's just, it's really impressive to see that kind of thing happen because when it comes, when, when, you know, uh, um, a successful announcement like that comes, like you want the company to be kind of, uh, you know, cross-eyed yeah. over it because you kind of want to catch them and be like, cool, they're, scrambling to figure out tactics they're not ahead of you at all because they didn't even know what was happening right like and then you can automatically start hitting them with direct action um you know like marching on the boss picket line stuff um petitions uh you know just getting 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 the word out holding events that like uh i'm like for the union like we held we held some fundraising events like where we like put a concert on and on like the university of Minnesota campus, right? Like we like rented out a lot, you know, on their like lawn or whatever. And like, we got this rapper Guantes, like a poet rapper educator from St. Paul. Like he came out and like, like supported the union and like had a couple other like bands play. Uh, and, um, and you know, like, and then so you have like, it's like, Hey, we're, we're doing this thing. And like, you have, we've got big banners all over the place. And so like, getting the public informed is also the next thing. Cause you not only want the support of, you know, your, the people you're working with, um, to win that election. You also want to have the general public, the people who are frequenting these locations know what's going on and be like, yeah, I do agree. You should be able to take a day off when you're sick and not lose pay, you know? Right. Like you, you should be allowed vacation time. You should be getting paid $15 an hour at the minimum, you know, like, uh, and like, Oh, it's really cool that you're doing that. Like in, in Milwaukee, they just, uh, there's a, a coffee shop that had, they unfortunately also lost their election, but very, very on a razor thin margin. Uh, and that was also national news, this place called Colectivo. They were trying to organize. And, um, that was one of the, the, um, the tactics that, that, particular uh, union was was using uh was to try to get as much press out you know via social media and in the general press about what's happening um so that you know people like when they go to a colectivo they can be like i support you i got my union thing on like way to go like because that shows the people who are working at that location who aren't on board yet but might be like okay i was on the fence but i see that like there's support out there. I'm not alone in this, you know, right. it's just, that's the whole point is, is, is grouping together to, to form a net that can take down the beast. They really like build up this scary, um, like the collectivist thing as like an antagonist when they're trying to scare you away from unionizing. And like, 
you know, down in Texas, I mean, everyone's got this very big individualist values and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember falling for it a little bit in my head at some point and thinking like, oh, yeah, somebody wants to go smoke a joint with me and then talk to me about a thing. This kind of reminds me of like fucking Christians and shit like that, that I, you know, <laughs> I don't like it when they do that, when they have an ulterior motive or like they're trying to get you to join Scientology or something like that. And it, I think that's that's really where people's head goes when they get tricked away from it and don't understand it's in their own interest. But like. Some of the stuff you're talking about with, like, uh, I think that's why, um, you know, getting the entire, like, community and the people that f- patronize the businesses and stuff like that to support it helps right. with that paranoia. So you don't trick yourself into thinking, oh, we're getting 1984 or we're getting fucking, you know, some stupid 80s movie like Red Dawn or something like that. Um, yeah. And, like, one thing that I think speaks to people a lot is that sick day stuff because yeah. – I- I do. I mean, I literally, when I was working at Jimmy John's, like, I think I called sick one time and they were just like, well, how sick are you? And I, and I was yeah. like, enough to where I will get other people. What the fuck are you talking about? But that's <laughs> because people you can't sure afford you to come here and touch all the bread. Yeah. And like, because yeah. people can't afford to take, they don't get, they don't get sick days and they can't afford to just lose shifts and stuff like that. People yeah. work sick in industries like this all the fucking time and they get, yeah other people sick and it's fucking in your food you know so right. it's good for you yeah, to know that was and i remember that was an effective um meme i guess so this feels like it was almost before memes but that you had a, a meme or, or a pamphlet or something we had a, we had a poster pictures. yeah it was a poster yeah you describe what the we we had this poster uh because because again you know it's also you know it's like what i was saying it's about getting support from the community to make them aware of what's going on in the practices company is you know uh espousing Right. So like we we had these posters and we flattered it all over town. Right. Um, it was a picture of two Jimmy John sandwiches side by side, completely identical. Yeah. And then it said on the left, this is your this is a sandwich made by a healthy Jimmy John's worker on the right. This is a sandwich made by uh, a sick uh, Jimmy John's worker. Can't tell the difference. Support the union, you know. It was just fuck. It's brilliant, you yeah. know, because it's it, and in the sandwich that it <laughs> the picture was like this really gross looking sandwich, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it was like splayed open. There's like sprouts and mayonnaise like falling out <laughs> yeah, of the of course. bread, slathered you know? in mayonnaise as is the Jimmy John's way. <laughs> it's and one of the liquids. secrets. Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're man. We might. <laughs> I hope we get sued. Fuck it. Let's take them on for spilling their their mayo secrets. Mayo secret, man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. So yeah. No, go ahead. I, I'm just gonna say like that kind of uh, you know like, uh, and when someone sees that when they're out like at a venue seeing a show or like they see it in like you know their down t- the downtown office building you know it's like like oh man I eat there all the time like that is gross and then it makes you think like. Oh, this is happening not just at this Jimmy John's, you know. Um, this is happening all over this industry, you know. I've been in the service industry since I worked at Jimmy John's over 10 years ago, right? Like, I've been doing this kind of work for a very long time. And, uh, the, like, the amount of times I came in just, like, absolutely not okay to be at work, but had to be there because I couldn't get someone to cover my shift um, or I needed the paycheck, is absurd, you know, and like, I mean, now we're thinking, now we're like in this, in like the middle of this pandemic, you know, I don't want to use the word post pandemic because it's very much still real and very much still going on. And especially it's affecting people who work directly face to face with people like I do. Um, I think we're in between waves. It's like ska. 
Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the se- second wave coronavirus coming in. Yeah, one, the, the, uh, the specials of COVID. One one hot take I've seen for um, service industry stuff because there was all this griping. This was a, like a few months ago, but I think it's still going on. There's a all, all this like media panic over a labor shortage. Nobody wants to work because they've become commies at their house or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> instead of the obvious reality that we're in a capital strike because people know how much money they should be getting as they just received it and they are not willing to work for less now, but capital will not bend to give them that, which is on their end. But then yeah. the auxiliary uh, factor that people aren't talking about, 600,000, I don't know what the number is anymore, plus Americans died during this thing. How many of them were working surface industry jobs and just got sick because they got Absolutely. blasted in the face with a virus? Probably a Absolutely. lot. That's who was getting sick. They might the labor shortage might just be dead people. <laughs> <laughs> that is a it's a dark reality, but uh, very much could be real. You know, like um, uh, everything you're saying is 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 spot on. You know, like um, there there are so many factors. I've been reading a lot about this because I'm I'm endlessly fascinated by service industry stuff as much as i want to leave this industry i keep getting sucked back into it for these reasons i'm passionate about it because i've like done nothing mom. else in my life yeah it was once you really never leave uh uh so um but no like things i've read about are you know like yeah potentially people are dead which is uh not something to laugh about right but could be real um people are, have shifted their their um their their career paths, you know, the pandemic gave people a chance to not do that job for a second, you know, and whether through a PPP loan or unemployment, we're able to stay at home safely and kind of think about what the hell they're doing with their lives. They're like, I don't want to be a fucking server. I've been doing this for 15 years, or I don't really enjoy serving drunk people every night. Like, I don't want to be a bartender. I don't want to be, I'm, this sucks. I'm, I get home at four in the morning and my, my day is shot. I wake up at 5 p.m. and go to work. It's like, no, I've actually been really interested in photography. I'm going to go back to school. A lot of people are going back to school, uh, yeah. for grad school and stuff like that. My, my brother's doing that, you know, like, uh, and I'm really, really proud of him for that. And I have a bunch of friends in the service industry that are, you know, cutting their hours down so they can go back to grad school to continue what they maybe had started, you know, and with a bachelor degree. You know, um, and there are, yeah, like you said, there are also people who are like, I don't want to go back to this shit job. I, I'm worth more than that. And, um, I'm not going to take it. So fuck you. Good luck. You know, obviously the dead people aren't funny. The ruling class looking around and going, why is no one going back to serve at Arby's is funny. Like, (laughs) they're incredibly aware of what's going on. They just are lizards who do not care about other human beings. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they just refuse to see the situation for what it is because they have a bias. They want things to to look a certain way and to be a certain way. Um, I know a bunch of people who left an old job of mine because they were... Fucking staff was forced to work during COVID, and everyone was getting COVID and shit. And so I think it's highly likely that there's that there's a bunch of dead people factor into this. And that other thing you're saying about the fucking about people just leaving. I mean, you know, the 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 the, the service industry is a shining example of the thing where like working class stays the working class because the precarity is reifying and makes you mm. like you know, just little fucking cogs. And, uh, 
and you can't get out of it. And, and it's brilliant because it's constantly like kind of giving you this myth of like, you'll get out of it someday. And then you just wake up one day and you're like, I've been barbacking for 12 years. Like what the <laughs> fuck just happened? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was talking to a roommate of mine uh, about a job he got and it's like an office job or whatever. And he was explaining to me the other day about how he's like, yeah, you can like run errands and stuff in the middle of the day and all this shit. And he left the service industry. Like you're talking about, and I just hadn't even thought about it. But I was like, yo, yeah, that what? Like, that's so weird <laughs> that you could do that because the service industry thing was this thing where, like, once you're in, you, like, might not look at your phone the whole time because you never stop moving and stuff like right. that. Right. That's what my my job now uh, for Russian state media uh, <laughs> is the first office job I've had. Uh, and when I started working there two two years ago almost now, I would – because I'm used to, you know, you show up to work, it's go, 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 gotta move, move, move. And instead it's, you, oh, no, okay, now we sit at a computer and write a script, and I would fall asleep, like, the first few weeks I worked there, because I just wasn't used to sitting and, like, being free. Yeah. It's yeah. not the Kratom. Don't say it's the Kratom. It's not the Kratom, it's the, uh, <laughs> it's the capitalism. I think moving from the service industry to, like, something like an office job has something really funny kind of embedded in it, which is it starts to make you realize how made up most jobs actually are, and the absurd this entire kind of system is because you're like wait a minute this job is nothing like the intensification that is compounded into this other job i had where i had to be carrying stuff constantly and moving stuff and whatever and then like within even office culture you start to see people whose jobs are just like yeah, that doesn't need to be here like what the fuck you know it's like the david graber like made up fucking bullshit jobs thing or whatever and like eventually you start following this to its logical conclusion and you realize like yeah this is this is part of capitalism is it because it needs to keep creating more places to put the capital and stuff it, it creates this absurdity that just like it operates by keeping us precarious and then propagandizing to us that this is like normal but it's like you know i guess i'm going to use the phrase this is not normal you know <laughs> like yeah i don't know and so i think good yeah everyone should get the fuck out of this industry um which well, and now we're getting into big philosophical heady stuff or whatever, but I, I almost want to go automate it and then fucking get everyone out of it and then, you know, but then have, there's still problems with that. We'll all yeah. have those conveyor belt sushis. Like every restaurant is conveyor belt sushi. Like that <laughs> yeah. would be perfectly ethical. And that it can be good. So depending <laughs> on where you go, it can be pretty good. <laughs> yes. We can overthrow it. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, there's and there's something about like working in this industry and I mean I've worked I worked through the pandemic. You know, I had like the first couple months off. So I had a PPP a PPP loan um through the, the my the company I recorded and um and then that ran out and I had no source of income and I, I could have applied for unemployment but I was also kind of bored, you know, which is like also like this sure. thing where I was just like, cause like I'm also a performer, you know? So like my other industry, the thing that is my actual career, the thing that I care the most about, like was completely dead, you know, like my job literally relied upon me getting in front of groups of people gathering. And that was just like, we have no idea when that's coming back. Like I was in the middle of a play. I was in the middle of the run of a play when the pandemic began. So I was like, I'm just sitting at home, like drinking and smoking cigarettes all day. Like, yeah. uh, 
I need to do something. And so I was like, I, I need some money. So I might as well just go back. And like, I could have, I, they gave me an option. Like you can come back at like this many hours a week and still apply for unemployment. But then like shit went down. We're like, this guy got fired because he was a shitty manager. Uh, and they were like cutting down staff, uh, like, like their full-time staff because they were, they didn't have any money. Um, and I had to work through this pandemic, you know, cause like, like you said, like once you, once you're in, you're in, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I started working 40 hours a week and I was like, well, I guess this is what I do now, you know, like, yeah. um, and it became like impossible for me to think about like cutting down my hours. Cause I was like, I, I can't leave. I, if I leave, like I'm letting down my team, you know? And yeah. I don't, I, I like the people I work with a lot, you know? So like, I literally felt that way. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to let these people who, um, I, I deeply care about cause I've known them for a long time and like them a lot. I don't want them to feel like I'm abandoning them, you know? So then it becomes like a, a weird, like Ouroboros, you know, thing yeah. of like, I'm, it's like, I'm like, I'm eating my own tail here, you know? Uh, but it's like, it's weird. Like, um, is, it is that like capital mindset. Like I'm in this thing. And then because I'm in this, this system and because I care so much about like workers' rights and solidarity with the people I work with, I cannot leave this thing. I have to must, I must work. I must work to make sure that everybody's okay. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a little terrifying. And then the, seeing the way people get treated in the service industry this past year and continue to, it was always bad. It's just gotten way worse. Do you yeah. have any, uh, examples? That we could maybe air out of, oh. of people acting like assholes. Yeah, of COVID assholes. Oh yeah, That's, we should do. Thank you I for mean, your service. I have an endless list. <laughs> of endless. I mean, most of it came down to mask stuff, you know, because uh, uh, we had a mask mandate uh, that just recently got lifted here, um, and uh, that was the majority. I mean, I, I had I had a dude throw a beer at me last summer. Uh, because it, because he didn't want to wear his mask. So he had a little temper tantrum, you know? Uh, and it's generally, you know, well off middle-aged people. I'm not gonna, not gonna beat around the bush. I mean, this is the majority of the people that I'm seeing that are acting entitled are of that particular generation. Um, and tend to be, yeah, they tend to be like, oh, I came in from the suburbs and I, I wanted to, ha- I want to drink my beer without my mask on. Like, I'm not telling to keep, you can drink your beer, just put the mask on when you walk around the space. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's like arbitrary. It's just theater that we were performing, the sanitation theater, you know, of like, I got to scrub down every single chair. I, I got to scrub down the, the seat of the chair because COVID is spread by butts, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, and then, and like, like, okay, you have to wear your mask while you're inside, except once you sit down, you can take it off, you know, it's like, it's stupid, but there's also like, we just, it's just the rule, man. Like, just, just put your mask on. Um, I love who yelled at me about that. Um, I, we had, uh, we changed up our operation, like, completely going, we used to have like kind of this open, open system, uh, where you could just kind of come in and sit down wherever you wanted. And then you go get your drink at the bar, go get your food at the counter, that kind of thing. Um, but then it became very strict because we had to worry about capacity and we had, cause we used to fit like 500 people in this place that I work, you know? And then, um, it was like only a certain amount, only 25, 30% capacity. So this only six people can sit at that table. Only four people can sit at that table and they have to be this far apart. Um, and then people coming in with like 
I don't know who the hell is hanging out with 25 people in the middle of a pandemic during the winter time, <laughs> but people would show up with like, I got a party at 25. I'm like, we cannot seat you together. Well, we want to sit together. We came together. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but listen, um, I literally cannot do that because of policies that we have here and mandated by the city. And please, would all 10 of you please put your mask on while you're talking to me. We just got out of our kissing tournament. Where are all the contestants supposed to sit? <laughs> uh, so that was, that was one. Um, one of my favorite ones was this guy named Ron. I remember his Ron name. Johnson? It was, it was, I wish it was Ron Johnson. But I have I have uh, been in the presence of conservative lawmakers uh, at certain places. I actually sat behind uh, on 420 of all days, 420, 2019. I sat behind Scott Walker, Governor Scott Walker. Oh, I don't wow. know if you guys know who Governor Scott <laughs> I, Walker is. I interviewed yeah, yeah. him, actually. Get the right. fuck out of here. Kind of. I, I, did, <laughs> I did a segment at CPAC in 2020 well someone there had covid and uh i chased scott walker down an elevator asking if he had eaten a hand sandwich that day um, yeah oh that's so good <laughs> i hate that man i can't yeah, like there, he is t- i sat behind him in a play and like i'm in the theater industry you what know play so was he going to he went to this play i forget what it was even called. hamlet uh he went to go see Hamlet. <laughs> Hamlet. <laughs> Dude, Julius Caesar, he's he's like, that's me. That's me, guys. I'm Julius Caesar. Hell uh, no. <laughs> after me. <laughs> At two Evers. Um, but uh uh he he was in front of me and I like I sat down and I didn't like I, I remember walking into the space. Sorry, I'm deviating from what I was talking about for this other Ron guy, but I got to no, this story. Good. I like walked I like walked into the theater and like it was a pretty empty theater this night that I was going in because it was four twenty. People were celebrating. And I like look up and I lock eyes with a man who I vaguely recognize and then I look away and I look back at him with these like death this death stare because fucking scott walker and we have this moment where I am like frozen one leg is in the air. You know, like I'm mid walk and I'm like looking at this guy straight in the face. <laughs> and we have this stare down moment where like he's just staring at me and I'm staring at him. And I want you to know that that motherfucker looked away. He like <laughs> it, 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 sheepishly, sheepishly. Cool. The way he like, did it. He was like, oh, oh, oh. And then, and then I um ended up sitting behind him. I forget why I had to sit behind him, but I sat behind him and there was another person in my row. We both have seen the show alone. She was also a, a theater actor uh, in Milwaukee. And we, we both were just like staring daggers at him the whole show, like maniacs. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't pay attention. Every time that he laughed at something in the play, I was like, you don't get to laugh. You don't get to be married. You know how many lives you've ruined, you know, just like, and I took everything in me to not say something. I really should have just been like, fuck you, man. And walked out. But like He's I was there, politicians who knows everybody hates him, and that's the worst kind. They're just like, yeah. "Hey, boo me at the store." But I have a routine for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Staring contest it, was a pretty cool tactic. I like that. I probably it, fucked with him. Honestly, like I, I, it wasn't even like I was like, "I'm gonna get him with the staring contest." It was like I was in such shock and in so much like immediate. I went from like like having a great 420 to being incredibly angry that he was in this space. Cause the theater is my space, man. You know, like yeah. that's, that, that's my community and you're coming in and like, Oh dude, I fucking hate that guy. Anyway, fuck Scott Walker. No, I did not serve Scott Walker at my job. Um, but I have been in his presence and angrily stared at him during, um, a drama. 
Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Uh, well, as we're wrapping up now, it's been 10 years now since this uh, vote, this or this effort, and uh, 20 years since 9-11, almost, <laughs> and uh, another 10 years since you and I did, speaking of plays, a, uh, a one-act about I, we have to commemorate it in some way. I, I feel like yeah, uh, oh yeah, because our play came out, it debuted ten years. We timed it ten years after nine eleven, and now we're ten years since the play. And we always talked about oh, in twenty twenty one, we're gonna do it again. But yeah, uh, COVID <laughs> and you know life got in the way. But um, we still got a few months, Anders. That's true. Yeah, we can <laughs> pull something off. Coming back, you yep. have to keep that level of spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, 9/11 nostalgia is going to be big in uh just a, f- a month or two. But um yeah, this play was about uh, uh the anti-globalization movement late 90s early 2000s and uh these kids uh decide to blow up a summit for the WTO and World Bank and then they plant the bombs and come back and see that 9/11 is happening. So uh, that's what that's what we did. Uh, and <laughs> this is how I'm commemorating it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in part by having you on, and also hearing yeah about uh, about those great those that good fight you weren't involved in as well. Yeah. Um, how was it received? The union folks loved it. We were endorsed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, some people liked it. Um, yeah. I think we did a good job. We were both, I was 20, 21 maybe. Yeah, you were 21, I was 20. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We started writing it when I, when I was still 20. It took us a year mm-hmm. to put it together. But uh, um, so I, I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, it's it's no Pulitzer Prize right. winning it's play. Not exactly, yeah. Something but, uh, Scott Walker would go see. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But it was very earnest, and I think I'm, very, I'm still to this day very proud of that achievement. And um, and I think we did a good job with it. And one of my favorite moments of the play is at the end of it, we literally like pulled like a clip off YouTube of oh, yeah. of of like live 9/11 like CNN like broadcast. Like the towers were falling when they were like. There was like some YouTube clip of like live, you know, footage. Um, and we, at the end of the play, they come back from like, you know, going to like plant these bombs or whatever. And they come back in the room, this like motel they're staying in. And they're like, you know what? We're all freaking out. We got from the TV and they turn on the TV and we played this like three and a half minute clip of like, like CNN, this guy being like, and the second tower was just hit. And like, now we, we cut to the street and there's, you know, like this woman's like, I don't know what's happening. There's people jumping out of windows. It was like, it was crazy. It was a crazy clip to play. And honestly, like, <laughs> should deserve a trigger warning, you know? Cause That's it's, right, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty intense, you know? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a collective terrible thing we all went through. And many people were, in fact, thousands of people literally died. I mean, like, and here we are, like, these 21 year old punks just being like, <laughs> like, we're going to really get a rise out of them this way. And um, after one of the, Andrews, you remember this? After one of the productions, um, we're leaving and this woman walks up to me and she's like, did you write this play? I was like, yeah, we wrote this play. We directed the play. And she was like, fuck you guys. Like my uncle died in 9-11 or something. Like she had like a family member who was like in the towers. And 
She's like, she's like, you made me relive like one of the most traumatic experiences like my family's ever gone through. Like that was absolutely horrible. You deserve to be like, you should, you should take your play off. Like, fuck you. Like, just like cursing me out. And I was just like in that moment being like, uh, oh yeah, that was effective. <laughs> you know? Uh, Why did she like, come to the powerful. play? <laughs> I, I mean, it was again. There, there's you. There was no way. It was called the day the nineties died. There was no way you would have known. Oh, it was okay. supposed to be a per- surprise ending, and oh. we would have given away the yeah, ending if worked, we had said, I guess. "Yeah, this is <laughs> <a> surprise." <laughs> it was. It was a again. It was effective, but like at the time, I was kind of like, "Yeah, that's how art should be." But now I'm a little bit more mature, and I've done more work, and. Um, we're working those areas and I'm like, okay, maybe it's not okay to shock people with trauma, you know? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, for every one of her, I think there were two 9-11 survivors who loved it, so. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> that, that's the real dilemma there. It was an intense, I mean, I feel like the actors pulled it off extremely well because of the yeah. their reaction to it. And it, yeah, it was supposed to create a vibe. And of, were you in it? I had a small part. Yeah, I think we were small part. Yeah, you were uh, a guy. Did you play Chad? Were you Chad? I think I was Andrews Chad. Andrews was Muhammad Atta. <laughs> <laughs> He's like dressed you're one of the towers, like when a kid is a tooth in a fucking <laughs> school play. <laughs> I am Tower One. I'm having a good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Go win me and trade your dollars. I am Tower One. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's fucking funny. Well, um, yeah. there's still time. There's a month left. We can yeah, get the game back together. We can put it on. <laughs> Should we? Yes. This title: Content Warning, Nine Eleven. I know. <laughs> it's a really tricky thing you get into when a content warning would ruin the punchline yeah. of a thing. How do you do it? Yeah. You know. I like, mean, if you're, yeah, that's just. That's part of life, on it, you know, just having to. I'm not saying. I love not, how remorseless you are about this. This kicks ass. 9/11 happened to everybody. I'm sorry. I was in. It was in Arlington, Virginia, and I was a ten year old told that the world was about to explode. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I guess a, a loved one did not die, um, but I still uh, do not apologize. <laughs> No, I mean, one of my loved ones died in 9-11. His name was Muhammad Atta. There you go. And I loved there him. There you go. Um, I think you have to process these things through art is my is my rejoinder to her. I don't even uh, remember that. Wow, I guess I suppressed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's one of the things that sticks out. Uh was that and the the profound like support from the union community. Yeah. Just like the IWW showed up for that show like uh one of the organizers of the union saw it and was like that was like we need to see more art like this like exposing oh, yeah. these terrible truths about the world because wow. you know like what like in one section of the play like we like have one of the characters like explaining like what the imf is is and does you know and has done how it's ravaged countries and countries economies and resources and um and i think it resonated with a lot of radical leftists so that that in that way achieved our goal mm-hmm. and it was just a few months before uh occupy wall street so some it was it, uh it, it, started occupy wall street yeah, I, that it was the that was right. the reason you know they <laughs> bunch of leftists saw our show and were like you know what we should do gotta go occupy wall street yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Did you see? I don't know what we'll call it yet, but we should go do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's important to uh, support subversive art, and if you would like to support subversive art on the twentieth anniversary of (laughs) nine eleven, right? You should come to our live show at Caveat NYC on September tenth, where Poddam America is doing our first live podcast since the world exploded. Holy shit. Yeah, it's 9-11 Eve is how you can remember it. So it's going to be some, there's going to be something going on with that. We haven't quite worked it out yet. I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, like New Year's Eve, like there's like a ball that drops at the end and everything. Who who knows? We'll figure it out. And we would do 11, 10, (laughs) yeah. This is gold. The show is at 7 in the morning. That's a pretty important part of this. No, it's not. It's at 7 at night. It's, um... (laughs) inverted listen we got a live show it's going to be great a lot of you live in new york i know it i've seen you in the statistics of our soundcloud i've seen you at our live shows so come on out as basically a month and some change from now our live show our return to the live stage the theater caveat 9 11 yeah. eve september 10th 2021 let's PM, do let's right? 7 p.m., yeah. yeah. Uh, let's do some more plugs before we get out of here. Also, more details on that to come. We'll have proper ticket links and everything soon. Um, Anders, you got anything? At Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley1 Instagram. Check out my other job, Redacted Tonight, Portable.tv and YouTube. And uh, subscribe to our Patreon. we got some fun bonus apps most recently about Andrew Cuomo's um, <laughs> the study. The reports on his misdeeds. And we also got a fun one about the Spanish American War. So check that out. Attack. Ben, did you have anything? Um, if you live in the Milwaukee area, um, come check out Voices Found Repertory's production of um A Midsummer Night's Dream coming uh, next next month. I don't remember the day that it opens, and I should because I'm in it. Uh, um, I'm playing Nick Bottom, the Weaver. Oh, Ooh. yeah, that that jokester, he, you know, gets turned into a donkey. It's pretty great. So if you want to see me get turned into a donkey, you uh, are. we're going to hire a real live donkey and put it on stage. Trigger warning. If you want to know more about that production, you can check out. Hold on, I just got to get the information because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, you can check out that website. Um, it is voicesfoundrepertory. No, sorry, voicesfoundrep.com. So check out the website. Tickets are 15 bucks. We open on September 2nd. Love to see you there. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, Alex, you got anything? Yes, you can listen to me on Ballin' Out Super and Theater of Delights, the number one stop shop for uh, today's top audio stories. And you can follow me on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen. Which is a place for exciting new flavors. And that is it for me. Okay, I'm doing stand-up again. I am do, uh, my friend Luis's show at uh, Asylum NYC in Manhattan. Casual sets on, uh, what is it, next Thursday? Yes, a week from, as of right now recording this, uh, uh, August 12th. Um, and then after that, I'm going on tour. So I'll be in Texas and Oklahoma and New Mexico and Arizona and Nevada and California after that. And, um, weather shows why you mad. And I think that's it. 
just keep listening and keep canceling us and getting mad at us and then loving us and then faving things. Just do your thing, Internet. It's cool, man. We have an Eminem and Kim-style relationship with our fans. Yeah. My fans are in the trunk, and I'm driving my car, and they're in the trunk. I love you so much, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished.